When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Bengal Tiger Podcast. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me once again is Shay Dixon. And Shay, it is Wednesday afternoon. Uh, Brian Kelly has already talked to the media. Uh, instead of doing our Monday mailbag, we're doing it on Wednesday. We post on the board, as always, asking for questions. We had a ton, a ton of questions. So uh, we'll try to keep to, I guess, like 30 or so. I don't know how many we have here, but some of them are repetitive, so we'll get to them. But how are you doing today? 30 questions or 30 minutes? 30 questions. I, I We have like, well, we have 50 replies per page and we were on over one page, but then I deleted some. And so there's a lot of questions here. So I don't know how, how we're going to do it, but it'll be fun. It's not that many. I think you're miscounting. We've got this. But, oh, okay. All right. You know, it's, it's, I think it's 20 replies per page. No, it? it's not 20 replies per page. You don't even know how many replies are on your own board. I'm going to count. I'm going to count these afterwards. I don't have the time to do this publicly right now. <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to figure okay. this out. Though. All right. All right. Uh, uh, but, okay. What, so this is our first in season mailbag, obviously. Yes. Uh, we got it rolling last week. Back by popular demand. Um, if you ever do have questions, submit them. It always starts the, the day before. You can see it on the Tiger board. Still a dollar for a month. If you want to sign up, we suggest you do. But as Maddie B says, if you're watching on YouTube or Spotify, wherever you're listening, hit that subscribe. Give us a like if you're on YouTube. And let's get this thing rolling. Uh, Maddie B, 45-24, FSU wins. LSU falls to 0-1 for the fourth year in a row. Everybody watch the game. If you're listening to the mailbag, you certainly at least know the outcome. So we'll skip past all that and get into the meat of it. Yep. Hunter Vernette, uh, off top, no surprise uh, there. Hunter's active, uh, yes. always in the responses. Shout out, Hunter. Uh, and he, I like this. He's starting us off light. This is just going to kind of grease the wheels a little bit, Matty B. Uh, if you're a college head coach and you heard your offensive lineman telling the losing team's defensive lineman how good they were, would you A, chew them out, B, bench them and chew them out, or C, all of the above and pull their scholarship? This is obviously in reference to uh, – what an FSU player referred to as number 70 for LSU, uh, which would be your right guard, Miles Frazier, and said that mid-game, Miles Frazier said, man, y'all are good uh, up front, you know, on the D-line. And then he responded, the FSU D-lineman said that after that, they knew it was over with. Um, Matty B, this was the same. I guess this comes afterwards. This was an interview at practice this week. Uh, I will add this, that during the broadcast, uh, they made a comment that Jared Verse had come to the sideline off after the fourth and one play at the goal line and said their right side of the offensive line isn't going to be able to block. So yeah. <clears throat> I know Hunter's in jest there a bit, uh, and we'll give him an answer, but I know we'll talk about that other stuff here in a bit. I would um, – I'm going to not – chew him out i'm gonna just bench him for this week 
I'm in a spot to do that with Grambling on the schedule and it already yeah. being a question mark. He didn't specify which players, so that would really depend. Well, we had already – yeah, right. Maybe maybe he missed saw it. Maybe he saw uh, 50 or something. But, no, that if the thing is with Miles Frazier, um, and like you said, this is a good question to start off with because it's like I – LSU fans were already like, you know, we're uncertain about the competitiveness, the grit in that game. And then Brian Kelly comes out and says the competitive edge thing 10 times. And then you get a Florida state player coming in and saying that they were complimenting us as we were beating them up. It's like just stacking on top of one another of things that perceptually did not look good for LSU on top of losing the game by 21. Like things just didn't look good and feel good. And as part of the reason why, like I was, you know, picked Florida State to win was just the vibes with LSU just were not good coming into this game and they're not good leaving this game and now everyone's panicking and we'll get into the panic in a bit but like yeah Frazier um already was the one they were pulling out when they put Zalen's hurt in the starting lineup in the scrimmage a couple weeks before the season like you said I mean I'm I'm starting Zalen's hurt this week at right tackle um if it's me Yes, uh, my answer there came um, more so due to play, not so much the comment. But yes. you make a good yeah. point that after we hear Brian Kelly talk 25 times about no competitive edge and then that kind of stuff comes out, it um, it kind of just validates exactly what people thought when we watched the game of, man, where is the fire, the juice? Brian Kelly even said, Matty B, that, he acknowledged something in kind of a roundabout way that I thought you could look at after the game. Florida State bullied LSU. Well, in the first half and really the first quarter, we, as we looked at the game, we said, man, FSU is shooting themselves in the foot. They keep getting these penalties. These weren't procedural penalties. These weren't anything like that. It was throwing Aaron Anderson into the bench. It was, you know, different. Well, I think there was late. one more, yeah. like, personal foul penalty. I think it was three total and you don't want those, but boy, did it not set the tone early that as Brian Kelly said, great. We only had no penalties in the first half and two all game. Maybe we needed another penalty or two because we showed no, we were too controlled that we showed no actual juice. Uh, I found that interesting. I did want to give a uh, share this uh, Patrick queen tweet, uh, which I love Patrick queen, uh, former LSU linebacker, obviously now in the NFL, uh, he weighed in on the issue, um, and I thought he had a great comment because obviously if LSU is getting beat badly by Florida State in this game, uh, and this comment is supposedly made from an offensive lineman to the other team, uh, Patrick Queen said, uh, that's crazy. We played Smitty, Ruggs, Judy, and Waddle at one time, and we're telling them they were trash the whole game. Uh, in that game, he's referencing 2019, two or three for more than 400 yards, so as Patrick Queen says, and that 2019 team had the 2019 squad had some juice. Even when you're just getting run up and down the field, they were still telling them how trash they were, and they were four future yeah. NFL draft picks. Yeah, and that that game was obviously a shootout in which is like nobody was stopping them. So at least they had Burrow and uh, you know those those dudes on the other side get having their back, and that kind of Brian Kelly talked about that too. Is you know complimentary football, all that stuff. Anyways um we can get we can move on now uh to the next of it's our a good way thank you hunter for that started let's yes. just get loose a little bit before we roll uh hokamojo what are your updated predictions record wise for this team i like it because it gives me an opportunity to say i don't want to judge 
a season off of week one, not even just one game, week one. And because of that, I said 11 and one with a loss to Bama. Well, I didn't factor in a loss to Florida State. So naturally, I now need to shift down to 10 and two if I'm going to stick with my original predictions. I think that one thing that be that will needs to be on the forefront of fans' minds is that, yes, this team won the West a year ago, and they win six SEC games to do it. Beating Bama was awesome. That's what everyone remembers. Great. The other five games were against five SEC teams that didn't finish with winning records in the conference, and they were in a dogfight in all of them. They were losing the Mississippi State game in the fourth quarter. Uh, even the comfortable ones, uh, like an Ole Miss, uh, that game was very tight uh, through the first half, and they were kind of a second-half team a lot of the time. Arkansas, they play a backup, Malik Hornsby, who lost, who transferred out and got beat out by TJ Finley at Texas State, ultimately. Sure, Texas State. They don't get to see KJ Jefferson. They were up 6-3 at half. They won 13-10. Like, I think there was an expectation this offseason, Matty B, that yeah, you were in those tight games, but now you're returning these guys. Now you've got these transfers, and you're going to be significantly better. So those games don't become as competitive. And now I start to wonder if that's true or not. I'm going to stick right now at 10-2. and two. I could see 9-3. and three. But I'm really curious as to, is this team better than the team a year ago? Oh, that's an interesting – that's a loaded question. Um, for me, I, I predicted them to lose to Florida State and win 11 straight games. So technically – you know, I could check that box. I mean, I, I, I'm on schedule right now. <laughs> now, do I think they're going to win 11 straight games at this moment? No. Uh, so I am with you as far as 10 and two, potentially nine and three goes. And if they did go nine and three with the bowl win, they would end the year 10 and three. And to me, that would be a successful season. Obviously not when you start the year number five overall with hopes of making the playoffs, but um, you look in the big picture, Brian Kelly of starting the year, starting his, uh, air tenure at LSU 10 and four and 10 and three would be pretty, pretty good. I mean, back to back 10 win seasons, but regardless, that's not what fans want to hear. Fans don't want to hear, you know, any sort of pessimism in that regard of potentially going nine and three. So I, I, I think 10 and two is still very much on the table. I don't want to overreact. I think 10 and two is on the table. They saw all of their flaws in one game. And I, like I said, before the year teams, most teams do not have the receivers that Florida State had. And I think that LSU is going to be able to figure out a way to slow down the passing game against most teams. I mean, you know, you go down the receivers of every other team they play, it's not nearly as dynamic as Florida State, in my opinion. Like, you got Auburn took a bunch of transfers. Ole Miss took a bunch of transfers. Like, you know, Florida doesn't have anybody. Missouri has Luther Burden. So, yeah, I just – I'll stick at 10 and two uh, at this moment, but on paper, I am one to know. I think one thing too, before we move on to the next question here is that people have said this and I don't, I didn't read through the mail. I don't like to read through the mailbag questions first. I like to see it and then have to react in real time for you guys. Uh, also that would take me more work, uh, but <laughs> I do agree with Florida state, maybe the best, if not one of the top two or three, best teams they play this year. I said that before the game. I thought it would be A&M, Bama, and Florida State as the most talented and, and best teams yeah. they played. And sure, I think Jordan Travis played great out of his mind. Yes, Keon Coleman went wild on him. Those things can be true, but when people, when you say, well, chalk it up to, hey, they may be the best team you play. Well, of course, I've thought that beforehand. 
I think if you're viewing it through that vacuum or in a vacuum and through that lens, you also then do you say, okay, what satisfaction as a fan do I take out of we're 24 points worse than the best teams we're going to play? Because last year that was the case, Georgia, Tennessee, yeah, A&M. I mean, the teams that were more talented than them, they got beat by a lot of points. Like, so I think that's something too that you have to think about of, is it fair to even view this game through any lens other than they got beat and not yes. make it more than that? I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Part of the reason why there has been an uproar over the past 48 hours or you know, however long we are from the end of the game is because expectations were so high for this team. And, you know, you get people saying, you know, how we, we never we didn't know that this was a hole. This was a hole. Well, this was a hole. If you're subscribed to the Bengal Tiger, you should know what the holes were coming into. If you're subscribed to this YouTube channel, you should have known what the holes were going into this this game this year. It's like expectations were to win a national championship, and they should be. But this, to me, was never a national championship winning team. And Florida State at this moment very well could, like you said, be a top three team in the country. Like we just saw Clemson get blown out. Like like we've we've seen Ohio State struggle. Like they're very much in that conversation of most complete team in the country. And because LSU was – the expectations were so high going in, that's what makes people panic and go into this frenzy. Whereas last year, if they would have lost to Florida State by three touchdowns, it would have been like, okay, it's year one. It happens. But this is – it's a whole different animal this year. Let's uh, rock on here. Um, Capital City Tiger, do you see more cre- – do, do you think we see more creativity in play calling – and do you want to see changes in who starts and where? And he said, O-line, wide receiver, DB. I'm going to take the second part of this question because I think we're on the same page and I'll let you get the analytical side right. because you do a lot more film study. Uh, O-line, I think that most people, as Matt said to start the podcast, would like to at least see, and this would be a good weekend to do it, against Grambling what Zalance heard, a freshman five-star offensive tackle, looks like at right tackle, which would then allow Emory Jones, who's your right tackle right now, to slide inside the right guard, which was the position he was recruited to play, interior offensive line. Um, he just stepped up in a big way and started for him as a true freshman at right tackle. But there's been an expected at some point to get hurt on the field in the era of Will Campbell that you're going to need to slide Emory Jones inside. So when does that happen? We'll see. At wide receiver, I think everyone's going to be on the same page here. If Kyron Lacey is going to drop the football in crucial moments, then you're going to look at other guys. Is it Shelton Sampson? Is it Chris Hilton, obviously? Um, is it more playing time for a guy like Aaron Anderson? I think all those things may be true. We'll see this weekend. I think one thing that we will say is that Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas aren't coming off the field, and Brian Thomas is their primary blocker in wide receiver. Kind of the mix. He's the one who comes in line most of the time, which yeah. Dan Brock loves to do. So Brian Thomas isn't going anywhere either. Um, and then with DB, there are no answers here because they don't have any other safeties you would play over Major Andre Sam and Greg Brooks. And they clearly don't have any other corners right now that they are trusting beyond Deuce Chestnut, Zyle Alexander, and obviously Sage Ryan, who got the start. Uh, Deuce played a ton. Um, Matty B, I'll let you take it from there. And unless you want to add something on DB, if you think we have an update today from Brian, uh, Brian Kelly and Denver Harris, he's just said Denver Harris is available. And when he asked the status, he just didn't say anything. So we have no info on Denver Harris, who was presumably their best corner that they got this offseason. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You went to every single practice, Matty B. So is 
Welsh stamps or any of these guys viable options for you? Yeah. And the, the first part of the question, creativity, um, Brian Kelly was asked about it and he kind of laughed at the question. He said, we're not talking about offensive creativity here. Yesterday's press conference was such a trip. Oh, what a, what a time that was. Yeah. So he, he laughed at that. So it's like, and then, and then went on to say, yes, we need to be more creative. So it didn't really give us any clarity onto what he was thinking, but the run game needs to be more dynamic. I, this, 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 it's the same thing we had last year, right? It's the same exact situation through one game. So we'll see if it gets fixed. To the Denver Harris part of the the, the equation, because I think you laid out everything else pretty well. Uh, we actually have two other questions about Denver Harris on here, so we can talk about him briefly. You read right um, ahead. Well, yeah, I had to go through and get all these imposters out of here that are all <laughs> arguing, arguing and talking and trolling in here. It was very uh, messy board, but. Uh, Two more questions uh, in here on Denver Harris. Um, I don't know where the other one went. Uh, but, yeah, when is it time to let Denver Harris play? Um, you know, issues throughout fall camp, blah, blah, blah. It's just – it's rehashing – for me, it's rehashing what I've said the entire – the past six months pretty much of this secondary's ceiling. This defense's ceiling cannot be reached if Denver Harris is not on the, in the starting lineup and not playing significant minutes or significant snaps. Like there's, it's painfully obvious to me, like Deuce Chestnut, Zy Alexander, Sage Ryan, you know, LaTerrence Welsh, Ashton Stamps, good players, good players. Denver Harris is the difference. And you saw on Sunday what it looks like when you have Keon Coleman, Johnny Wilson going against Deuce Chestnut and Sage Ryan and Zy Alexander compared to potentially Denver Harris. Now, maybe Denver Harris gets burnt out there. Maybe he blows an assignment. All that stuff is very, very possible. I'm not saying that he is the answer to everything. But as far as reaching your full potential as a defense, you need Mason Smith on the field. You need Denver Harris on the field. Like, that's just pain. It's just obvious to me because that's the only chance you reach that, that position where you could win 11 straight games and make the playoffs. Because that's really... Um, it's that simple to me. I, and I understand benching Denver Harris and making him learn through this. And maybe he hasn't been great in practice, but the talent is the talent. Bottom line. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's a good way to put it. Is that the old, we, they are who we thought they were, but reverse. We are who we thought we were. I, um, yeah, Damon Targaryen and a couple others asked about Denver Harris. So we got that one uh, knocked out. We'll see. Look, he just said available. I don't know what that means. He wasn't even getting third team reps in camp sometime. He was just standing there. Yeah. Mason Cox was the other one who asked about Denver Harris. Okay, cool. Um, let's scroll back up here. I got ahead of myself. Hold that tiger, uh, asked, uh, hold that tiger 23. What personnel changes personnel would you like to see in weeks two and three? So two's grambling, three's uh, at Mississippi State at 11 a.m. Personally, I'd like to see Hurd, which we've talked about. Samson, who could play at wide receiver, obviously. Stamps, who we just noted at corner. And Toviano, who's more of a hybrid safety corner nickel. So 
if you wanted to get him on the field, I guess you could try. Um, Maddie B, you main personnel changes you might would like to see. I, I do think they will try some player. They'll try out everybody will play against Grambling, but even Mississippi State, it'll be interesting to see. Um, Stamps Toviano. Do I think I would play Toviano over Sam Burns or Brooks? Probably not. I think Brooks actually was pretty good. I think, heck, if Burns wasn't able to break up that pass against Keon Coleman, nobody was breaking up that. Oh, pass he before. had his hand inside both arms, ripped it out. Keon Coleman just. Like, yeah, I, I don't fault Major Burns for that. No, Major um, Burns and Greg Brooks are never coming off the field. Yeah, no. And also, I think they're very good. Um, and Andre Sam, I think, had ups and downs. But overall, I think we saw enough of him in fall camp. And I think they trust him a lot as evident of him starting. I don't think he's coming off the field either. I, I just don't really see a spot in where Toviano adds value unless you're in, like, a dime package, obviously. And you're in those, like, 60 Bs packages and whatnot. And then Stamps... I mean, would Stamps have solved anything on the outside? Like, yeah, you could have tried him, but I don't know if he's better than Deuce or Sage. He might be on their level already, which is a massive accomplishment, but I don't think he would have provided anything that they didn't, in a sense. So all this stuff about bringing people in, like, you know, I'm a basketball guy, so yeah, I love depth. I love rotating guys in, but that's just not really how football works in a sense of, you don't you don't take Greg Brooks off the field to put JV and Toviano on the field for three snaps and just it's not I don't know it's not like that to me. Yeah, I think that what you say is about and look, it's a one game sample size, and yes. I want to see these guys play a good amount of games when we're talking about players like an Andre Sam, you know, who are transfers. Like I I know what Major Burns and Greg Brooks are because. I watched them in high school. I watched them when they were in college starting their careers. And now I've seen them multiple years as starters for LSU. So, like, I know exactly what they are. They're not coming off the field. Now we're starting to get to see guys like Andre Sam for the first time. And before we even judge kind of, like, how they look or um, if they're going to make any moves, I think it's important to remember things like this. That was Andre Sam's 49th. So this weekend will be Andre Sam's 50th college start. Guys like Toviano have never played a game in college, essentially. Like, you're not in big moments going to just take those guys out and wholesale replace them with true freshmen. In the first game of the year, especially. No, especially not at a starting spot in the defensive backfield like that, where communication and knowing your assignments and all those things are equally as important as being talented. Um, but we'll see. I would like to see what these guys look like this weekend. And yep. no doubt they're very talented. They're eventually going to play. But yes. The starters are the starters for a reason. I don't think anything's shuffling there immediately um, with those guys in the defensive backfield at safety. Uh, Jungle Fever Tiger, how can the staff put Jaden in the best position to be successful given he is who he is? And how does House adjust giving uh, these big holes on defense? Um, I mean, I guess I'll let you dive into both those. I also think with the first question of Jaden, I think maybe the staff is putting Jaden in the best position for what he is. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's the argument. I think fans are more frustrated that it's not just a vertical game or, a, you know, an explosive yeah. five wide and doing it like they did in 2019. And maybe for Jaden, this is the most efficient way to use him, which is letting him RPO run kind of. Yet uses legs and then throw a lot of short intermediate stuff that he usually hits pretty well. Like, yeah, I think that's what they want to do. I agree. I think you laid that out well. I think this is the best position 
to for him to be successful at, at this level in the SEC. Obviously, you go back to the Arizona State film, it's very different, but um, I mean, hit the freedom he had at Arizona State to just chuck the ball wherever he wanted and kind of just hope and pray it worked out. And you can tell last year he did he didn't want to do what he did at Arizona State. He wanted to be a part of a team that was winning games and wanted to contribute to winning, and that's why he didn't force the ball downfield. Uh, well, through one game, he already has one interception. I just, yeah, I, I think this is who he is. And as I said on the postgame podcast, like, I think he's a really good quarterback, but ultimately, like, expecting him to take this massive step forward was probably a mistake on, on my part and, you know, every, everybody's part as a collective to be like, this is going to be a brand new player. No, it's it's not. Now, I think Mike Denbrock, to me, I think could have tried some different things, but I think they were just really – they were trying to hang on to a degree. And they were like, we're going to run what we know. We're going to do what we know works. And um, so, yeah, they didn't really try anything new offensively to my, to my eye. I um, I think, too, from Brian Kelly chasing points in the first quarter, they knew defensively they probably weren't going to be able to keep pace, and it was going to take scoring. So to deviate from what they know and – what they want to do and hold on to the football. And they were very methodical last year. Like that was, I could understand that being the game plan, at least in that first half at Florida state before it all, things unraveled. Yeah. Real quick. Um, it, it all, it all comes back to, they needed to, in order to win the only, our only chance of winning this game was trying new things like blitzing Harold Perk, like doing things that might not work, but you had to like take chances in this game. And they didn't really take those chances. Harold Perkins played zone. No, Jane Daniels did what he does. Like, it didn't feel like those chances were taken. Now, obviously, they went for it on fourth down. Credit to Brian Kelly for those, um, but they didn't work. So, you know, you lose the game. Uh, um, and, yeah, uh, and yeah, it's just about house and the holes in the defense. I think more surprising than anything for me, Matty B, is that last year LSU was not only a second-half team. Defensively, they certainly were a second-half team. They would give yeah. some stuff up in the first half and then clamp down. To be give up 14 points in the first half, be winning – and then to give up 31 unanswered was unlike anything we had seen from a madhouse defense a year ago. Like you can, yes, third down defense was bad all year, all these things. But when it came to just purely viewing a game between a first half and a second half, they were a second half team. Yeah. This year, boy, out of the gates, when you get blown out 31 nothing, you're very far from a second half team. You were non-existent in the second half. And that was largely defensive, right? Yeah. No, exactly. I uh, give up was a six straight touchdowns, six straight scores. Um, I don't have anything to add there. The second half, like you said, that was the biggest difference. That was the most giant thing. They're going to try out Perkins. They're going to try out Mason Smith this week, which gets into Capital City's next question of does big number zero play this weekend? Uh, Brian Kelly said he'll play around 30 snaps, which is what I would have expected him to play against Florida State. Um, obviously maybe not that much if he was actually since he's actually quite injured uh coming off the injury i guess uh but yeah 30 snaps this weekend that's fine i don't even i think 20 is probably fine but 30 snaps hope that'll get him through the first half maybe first three quarters and then rest him after that and obviously mason smith's coming off a knee injury that ended his season kept him out i don't even know if is it even the knee anymore because he tweaked his ankle in camp was sitting in yeah, no, yeah, he tweaked his ankle in camp and he was limping around. Like the the lower body in general is a concern for me. Yeah, so I, I don't think he's still having to recover from the ACL surgery and all that. I think it's no. like getting banged up in camp and tweaking his ankle and 
he was kind of hobbling around the sidelines this weekend, obviously in street clothes. Like, so Brian Kelly said that before the FSU game, he was like, even if he could, like, even if the NCAA didn't have him suspended for a game, I'm not sure how much he would be able to play in this one. And then when he was asked about week two against Grambling, and I can tell you just from the tone in his voice, he was like, we would be thrilled if we got 30 snaps out of him. So you are thinking now of, okay, Mason Smith, maybe Mississippi State SEC opens and he can play half the game like or something like that. So you're we're not quite there, it seems, of Mason being fully ready to roll, which um, could be a storyline to keep an eye on. Uh, but he will play this weekend. Um, Nola fan 33. Obviously, LSU can run the ball, but what do you guys make of the unwillingness to even really try and establish the run early in the game? Do you think they knew they wouldn't be able to move the ball on the ground? This is a bit of an imperfect uh, due to Jaden, uh, but Jaden attempted 22 passes in the first half and just nine handoffs to the running backs. Josh Williams, a guy we assumed would lead the running back room, had three carries and uh, in a three-point ball game going into half. I guess I should also add all three running backs, Trey Bradford, Josh Williams, and Noah Kane, who played, all had four touches. So they very much spread it out there. Matty B, do you feel like they did, did – were they invested in the run from the start, or did they just have to abandon it after halftime? I don't think they were ever invested in the run. Uh, I think with this offense, Jaden Daniels – is going to be your leading rusher, whether Brian Kelly wants it or not. Brian Kelly said in the po- in the press conference yesterday that, you know, we don't want uh, Jane Daniels to be our leading rusher. Well, based on the way they run the ball, based on the way, you know, they scheme up the run, based on the way that they were unable to block Braden Fisk, Fabian Lovett, go down the list, um, they can't run the ball. And I'm not sure how drastically that changes because this is the same offensive line as last year. And that's been a positive throughout the offseason, you know? It's been, oh, they get Dellinger back. They get Turner back. They get all these players back on the offensive line. Well, last year, they couldn't really run the ball with the running back. And so this year, yeah, they're they're returning, but it's probably still going to be not a strength for this offense. So they're in the same position as last year. And that's kind of a theme with this team throughout through one game so far. Obviously, a, a lot of season left, but... The holes are still the holes and the inability to run the ball. You did a great job before on our preview podcast. It's like, that's a key to the game. They need to be able to run the ball this year. They couldn't do it last year. Well, it's the same offensive line. It's the same running backs. It's the same quarterback. It's the same run game as last year. This is my biggest concern now for the season. And I said all year that the biggest worry for the team position wise would be corner. The biggest worry or concern for the actual Lofty or the execution side may well be that they can't run the football without it being Jaden. And yep. they had longs of what? Well, no Josh Williams for two yards, uh, Trey Bradford for four yards. Um, Josh Williams obviously broke one off the right side for 35, but he finished beyond that with three for 13 yards. So they had one good run of the entire game. And essentially didn't – they ran it 13 times with those guys. Yeah. Didn't try. 12 times. Yeah. I don't know either, Maddie B, what I'm, – I'm, I want to tread lightly, lightly here. I'm not trying to get clipped and old takes exposed. 
I'm, I think it might also be as much on the offensive line and everything else that's in motion than just the running backs. Like, I'm not sure John Emery or Logan Diggs or all that, like, changes that much for me. No. Leonard, yeah, Leonard I mean, Fournette's not walking through that door. <laughs> no. Um, so they have a variety of backs, sure. Uh, but if the blocking's not there and these guys aren't tearing it apart, then I don't know what adding a couple more guys to that mix that you're already splitting touches does for you. Like Logan Diggs or John Emery can, yeah, they could give you some sparks, but neither of them are carrying it 20 something times. Like these other guys are all going to play. And yeah, at least out of game one, it looked exactly like it did a year ago. So that's concerning. It's maybe the biggest concern. If you cannot run the football, then everyone knows you're just throwing it. And that's a, not a good spot to be in. Uh, C Cerrone three, is this officially the worst LSU of all, team of all time? Um, I'm going to go. No. I'm going to go no. I'm you know, you're older than me. Like, you you might have teams. more history than me, but I don't think many so. Many teams that are worse. Uh, Ernie Ball, five. Any update on Diggs? Logan Diggs was a coach's choice not to play because of what Brian Kelly said was a um, hamstring injury that he was kind of working through. I'm a li little bit baffled at why you share an injury report all week and just don't mention someone who has a hamstring injury. Unless he got it getting on the plane or something yeah they um it sounded like he he hadn't practiced enough at full speed and uh, like you said on an injury report i think he probably just should have been questionable going into the game or something and just suited up and then not played so yeah out um but i don't know if he'll play this weekend because he's battling what appears to be some sort of lower lower leg injury that has kept him as maddie b said from practicing fully is what kelly said um yeah. but We'll see if he gets back out there this weekend. Uh, and he's a Notre Dame transfer running back for those curious. Uh, what's more likely? Irish Tiger 18 asked, FSU's a top five team in the country and LSU just didn't consistently execute to win the game. Or FSU's a good, not great team and LSU regressed and will struggle to eight and nine. Uh, eight, eight and nine game uh, wins. So it'd be eight and four, nine and five, or nine and three. Uh, I, think yeah, may, I think it could be a mixture of both of those two things. No, I think Florida State's actually really good. I think LSU is still a I think LSU is still a really good team. I think LSU is going to be fine this year, um, even if they do win nine games because they drop two SEC games. Like, if if they go six and two in conference, Shay, they end the year nine and three overall. Like, but you went six and two in conference, and you're still one of the best teams in the SEC. Like, they're going to be a top fifteen team regardless if they go nine and three. Probably. Like, yep. I just. This it's still a really good team. They just got their doors blown off by, in my opinion, one of the top four teams in the country. And the matchup was awful. You probably couldn't drop a worse matchup for LSU in week one. Nope, I agree. I think that it can be true that Florida State is good, but I don't necessarily mean think I don't think LSU's regressed. And I also think if it's regressed in any areas, it's not coaching, it's talent. Like Makai Garner and Jarrett Bernard Converse, Maddie B, you've said it a million times. They bailed them out in the most massive of way last year as transfer corners. Like if you don't hit on those guys again, then it's a talent deficiency thing. It's yeah. not a really a regression in terms of the overall team. It's just yeah. you don't have as good of players as you did in the spot. Uh, we'll see. I'm Like I said, we gave our predictions. We're sticking with them. Uh, LC8, is the mailman going to get starting reps this week at cornerback? Um, is the mailman Denver Harris? It's mailman no, Ashton the mailman is Ashton Stamps. Stamps. Mailman, right? Ashton Stamps is the mailman. I got it. All right. Um, yes. 
I would see no way you're not putting him out there against Grambling to at least let him get his feet wet. Wait, 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 wait. But but he said starting reps, though. I don't think oh, he starts. starting reps. Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think he starts, but he gets he gets yes, he should get a lot of reps. Terrence Wolf should as well. So uh LWT, being that those DBs seem to be left on an island at time, wouldn't it just be easier if they just sent blitzes at the quarterback and let the DBs at least try to get physical with him at the line of scrimmage to get JT off his spot? Uh results probably don't change a lot, but I think it would have helped some, especially if Welsh and Harris played. Those guys, those aren't short guys. Um I don't know. I think Harris is really talented, so that would have helped. I'm not sure Welsh would have. If Welsh was better than those guys, he'd be playing. Like the Major Burns is six two. Like what? what I don't. I, I understand he caught on. Like Deuce Chestnut got mossed a couple times. Sure, yes. Um, but he did the same thing to Major Burns. This is a guy who has, I think, a 91 percent catch rate, catch rate in contested catches. Keon Coleman. He's, he's a jump out of gym basketball player. Yeah, he's just better than anybody else you has on their defense in their secondary. Flat out better. I just that this matchup to me was always going to be decided in that respect where Florida State could make explosive plays like that, and LSU could not. LSU that was another jarring thing along with not being able to run the ball. Where LSU, we've talked about explosive plays so much, like. It was so obvious where I was like, all right, Florida State's not moving it like consistently, but then they hit the big play and they score a touchdown. LSU was moving it down the field and couldn't finish drives because that's a hell of a lot harder than just hitting one 30, 40 yard pass and being there in the end zone. Like the <laughs> explosiveness bails you out of so much, so many situations, and LSU does not have that. So they have to be perfect on offense. And that is. Very concerning. Anyways, I know I got off topic asking that about a defense question, but yeah. All right. Um, Chandler uh, with a three instead of an E. He gets very in-depth here. I'm going to give you oh, the – yeah, I'm just going to give you guys uh, – he wrote well, a there's book. There's not even a question in here. It's no. It's – it's. Um, I don't see a question he's mark. He's thinking out loud and, and oh, wrote an boy. essay, but I've read it now, uh, and I'm going to give you the, the brief synopsis here, the Cliff's Notes version. Okay. Uh, he basically wants to know what's up with Denbrock's offensive philosophy, most notably the run game, uh, which he says are as creative as Pop Warner calls. Um, I'll let you handle that one on thoughts on just the run game philosophy. But he says we have a quarterback bordering on generational for his ability to run, and the best we're doing to get him in space are bone stock read options, the occasional design rollout, and a rare three-option RPO that gets him out on the edge where he can make a short throw or beat a defender to the edge. Well, they do like that in like that tight end comes across. Yeah, Jaden exactly. can take it, and then either Jaden can run or just dump it really quickly to Mason. And they did it in the FSU game. It picked up a first down on the very first drive of the game. They um, also, yeah, they also got stuffed on the fourth down on that play, but yeah. They did. Um and on that play, it looked like Emory Jones kind of stepped out and tripped uh, Mason a little bit when he was coming across. And then yep. that made it hesitant when he was giving it to Josh Williams. And uh, as Brian Kelly said, they just didn't execute very well. But um, you've watched a lot of LSU's film now from last year. So, you know, that, and you did it Cincinnati as well, watching it. Denbrock's philosophy, are you beefing with it right now? Is that an issue for you right now? Or that they just don't execute it? Like if they executed it, it would work. 
the the whole thing was we were last year i don't think it fit the personnel this year it was supposed to fit the personnel more because you added all those tight ends and Connor Gilbreth and uh, Mac Markway and stuff. We didn't even see a ton of two tight end stuff. I mean, Gilbreth hardly on the field. Markway, I thought I saw Markway like once or twice or something. I don't remember. I hardly saw him. Um, and yeah, it just didn't, again, it didn't look like a team that fit what Denbrock was trying to do. And the skill position players obviously drop passes. Like there's a, a large amount you can put on the players, but uh, like I said before, it looked like the same offense as last year and the limitations of last year's offense were the same as the limitations for this year's offense, which isn't surprising when you look at the personnel, because it's the same personnel, but the whole off season has been about being more explosive, finding ways to get players, the ball in different areas and none of that was true. So I, I do beef with that a little bit. And um, at the same time, I think the players have plenty of uh, on their shoulders as well. When you can't block a team, it's hard to run an offense. LC8 asked if there's evidence Sage Ryan's ever made a play. A little harsh there, uh, LC8. Um, I'm going to give you the reality of the situation. Sage Ryan right now is the best option they have. And he's going to play. If there were better options, they would be in the game. Sage played last year. Sage is going to play this year. Yeah. Just where it's at. Um, and that's a tough matchup for him to come out with, especially he's a natural safety who can play nickel, but now they've got him at corner. Um, they say he can turn and run. They say he's got the speed, all these things. Obviously, just a natural football player, but the corner's a tough spot for a guy like that, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't have anything to add here. Uh, Tiger King 53, can you remember a more embarrassing loss? Troy comes to mind, but getting beat down in prime time with the whole country watching after this team being so hyped up stings quite a bit. Uh, yes, AM last year would be more embarrassing. You oh. got run by a team that, oh. while talented, had a losing record and was barely beating, did not oh, beat Appalachian State, and was barely beating other very, very bad teams. Uh, the year prior, Kansas State would be worse. You. We're so down as a program that you started a receiver at quarterback and Kansas State scored at will for about nine drives in a row. Um, yeah, I can think of a number of more embarrassing losses than getting beat by a top five team when you were winning at halftime. I mean, and then you go to 2020 and 2021. Well, yeah, you came off of you came off a 15-0 national championship in 2020. You lost to Mississippi State in the opening week, and Will Rogers said about every passing record in the world on you. With Mike Leach, RIP. Um, yeah, I can think of a lot of embarrassing ones. Oh, so, I mean, yeah, it's, it's football. I'm not sure how embarrassing this loss was. It was just a second half that was like, wait, what? Like 31 and, nothing. And I know for LSU fans, it feels like, oh, the whole world is watching and they're laughing at us and all that stuff. And sure, you know, to a degree, maybe. <laughs> and, and they are. Matthew wants and, you to know. Yeah, like uh, maybe to a degree. I felt like, honestly, a large portion of people left that game way more impressed with Florida State than they were down on LSU. That's correct. Like, people left that game saying, whoa, 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 Florida State's doing this to LSU. Like, I don't care what LSU team this is. This is a Florida State team that just did that, that had that second half run. And we saw in the first half what LSU, that LSU not only could compete with them, but potentially, you know, hang with them and beat them. Like, this isn't some wire-to-wire beat down this was a second yeah, no this like duke clemson clemson that's gets, embarrassing no one's saying oh my god you know duke is a playoff team it was yikes clemson like 
come on now. Texas State Baylor, Baylor losing is like no one's saying Texas State should be in the Big 12. Like they're legit. They're saying, man, what? Like you're Dave Aranda, what? You're you're three or whatever. You lose Texas State out of the gates. You're four. No one left that game being like, damn, LSU ain't ain't it. Everyone left it saying, boy, Florida State looks good. Yeah, in my opinion, yeah. If you're listening to this podcast, you're an LSU fan, so you don't really care what everybody else thinks. I know, I know. Florida's the you're in your own misery, uh, and I hear you. Uh, Grape Swisher, what's worse, our game one performance or our fan base? But ding, ding, rim shot. I can't really do one very well, but uh, I don't know. Fans, uh, they're short for fanatics, right? Love Isn't, fans. This is the expected response after you lose a game. Yeah, I love you melt. This is great. Uh, Cherry's backpack. All right, for real, my favorite username that's ever existed. Shout out Jarrell Perry. Cherry. Shout out the bricks that went in the backpack. Cherry's backpack. Which freshman are y'all most excited about seeing against Grambling? We've touched on a lot of them already. I want to see Kamori and Pimpton at tight end. I want to see Deshaun Womack get on the field. Oh, I need to see Deshaun Womack on in on the field. Uh, okay, yeah. I was going to go like Shelton Sampson or Caleb Jackson, but you've sold me. I want to see Deshaun Womack on the field. So you got it. He was the highest ranked kid you signed, a five star. He was absolutely brilliant at St. Francis. They played nothing but elite competition. And I refuse to believe he can't just go out there and show me something. Can I also say Savion wasn't great against Florida State? Um, but he was. I, I rewatched the whole game, though. Like, go ahead. He wasn't terrible. Okay. No, no, no. Yeah. No, no, no. He was not terrible. Sorry, yeah. I didn't want to make it sound like that. But he was, but was like, like, like you walked away like damn Paris Chan made some – or uh, Braden Swinson made some plays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And like, I never – thought we were going to say that about Savion. Like, damn, exactly. yeah, he, he made some plays. Like, Exactly. So, and it's, it's, so it's, I'm not saying Womack or Quincy Wiggins or Paris Chan should start over him. Definitely not. But just, just – I just want to see Deshaun Womack. Just throw him Just out. roll him out there. Put him in that uh, C-ball, get-ball role that uh, old yes. Harold Perkins got C-ball, to play last ball. year. We got to name a podcast that. C-ball, get-ball. Beautiful. Miss Let Alarm, 92. What's worse, LSU's week one performance for the past five years or being stuck in a political conversation with your relatives at Thanksgiving? Uh, it's the political conversation with your relatives at Thanksgiving. The and the, it's not close. You can um, bounce back from a week one loss. It's, <laughs> it's tough to bounce back and get away from uh, – that Thanksgiving conversation. Conversations in general at Thanksgiving are always something else. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, Birkenstock wants to know why you always ignore him, Matthew, and probably delete almost everything that he posts. So, <laughs> Burke, I love you. Don't worry. I told him uh, Burke's probably the funniest favorite. person on the board. Burke's probably one of the funniest people on the board. Yeah. Yeah. Burke's been rolling with us for a long time. Shout out, Burke. Uh, Cairo Tiger uh, talks about personnel changes, but he said, what do you want to see in the next couple weeks? Like worked in uh, and he offered up some options, younger DBs, wide receivers, two through four heard with Emory Jones to right guard and John Emory and Logan Diggs, like being back and playing at running back. I'll choose herd. And I think that the, for me heard like a lot of these are like maybe boosts or like, okay, yeah, if you played Logan Diggs or Emory, well, they're all still splitting touches. And if you got Shelton Sampson in and um, you featured Aaron Anderson more, you threw some verticals to Chris Hilton. That's like three, three times a game, four times a game. Yeah. Heard would be a move that maybe could change the trajectory of your season. If he ends up being excellent, right? Like if he could really deliver for you and then Emory's at right guard and then 
maybe it sparked something and then he would be playing every down and it would be quite important. So that's the one I'm curious if, if it's happening, it needs to happen. Like that has to start now, right? Like you'd have to get him out there and grambling, get his feet wet because then it's nothing but SEC games for a while. It's the same situation as last year. Will Campbell and they played uh, musical chairs last year. Brad Davis isn't afraid to do it. Let's see what happens. Um, are we Capital City Tiger? Are we sure Scott Woodward made the right hire at head coach? Yes. If we um, if we viewed this and said they're going to reach the expectations you set, or let's say that they win nine games, even they go nine and three, and they win a bowl game, they get to ten wins. You were coming off back to back five hundred seasons. You were coming off the first losing season since nineteen ninety nine when Jerry Donardo was head coach. Uh, that's more than 25 years or however long it's been. And you made a hire who took over a roster with fewer than 40 players. And in the first two seasons, he got you at least one SEC West championship and got you to 10 wins both years. I would say that that would have been the right hire, right? Yes. That's, yes. Yeah. Not, a, not even a question. I mean, you, okay. first of all, I mean, and then you go look at the other, the other candidates that we were, you know, floating out there and stuff, which who who knows whatever they were. It's True. Like, it's not like the other hires, the other candidates were lighting it up out here. Just, you want Jimbo back? You want Jimbo? Go get Jimbo. There you go. Uh, no, he's definitely, like you said, I think you laid it out well. He's has them very, very much. As much as people want to critique every single thing after a loss, come on now. I mean. Kyra Tiger, how much change Velshi would have taken points and been up 23-14 at half? I can only say that you get to go in the locker room and come back out and the scoreboard's going to remain the same. So they would have lost by 20 and not 24 or 19. They would have lost by what, 15 instead of 21. Yeah, it's not like it's a whole – it's a morale thing where it's like, oh, we were – we were down at half. Now we're up. No, y'all yeah, were they up. were winning at halftime. They were up. They were winning. If anything, you should have some extra juice of like, man, we should have scored those other ones. We should be beating these dudes like, you know, 24-14 right now. Let's go. Like, yeah, that doesn't do anything for me. Um, no, nothing. I think I think they were the right decisions, both of them. I'll go on record. The second one's obviously a little, little you could sketchy. First one's no doubter from the one. You can argue the play call, all this stuff, but um, – well, I, mean, yeah. I won't even argue the play call or the go for it on the one because there is some built-in capital in doing it because you know that if you don't succeed, they have to start at the one, and then that really forces them yeah. into a punt basically or at least uh, run the ball a few times and see if they can pop a pass or they're getting a safety or they're punting it. The issue I have is you took a sack on that play. Yeah. So now you're at the – they don't start at the one. You had no advantage of going for it anymore. And then the second one, I just I don't know why they're still chasing points. I would have taken the field goal, but it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Uh, Clarence Beeks, who says, uh, I'll keep it simple. Does LSU have more than two run plays? Uh, only the run the zone stretch and the zone read. Maddie B, they've got more than two, huh? <laughs> Do they? How many more do they have? <laughs> you know, know you, you, you watched the game. You, you, did watch the film stuff? Too. I don't know. They only run it twelve times. Does it really? Oh, it's very true. <laughs> it's very, very true. They only ran it twelve times. Probably two, three plays. No, they don't. They don't I block don't, those I, plays anyways. Right now, they don't, so. they don't block. They can't block a run anyway. So what does it matter? Um, I don't know how they're going to fix it, but we'll see. 
Uh, famous name is start bench cut. Ooh, that's brutal. Uh, O-line corner receiver as a position group. Start, um, start receivers, bench O-line cut corners. Yeah. Uh, bonus round. Oh, thanks. Want to do even more of this famous Amos. Uh, head coach OC DC. Oh man, y'all are brutal. Jesus. Start head know. coach. I'm not doing any. Uh, we're on one game here. There you go. I'm start. Start all of them. Start all of them. There you go. Yeah. We'll I'm, see. I'm, Get back to me in three weeks. I'm, I might have a different. Yeah. Answer. Yeah. Give Give me half a season. Uh, oh, this became a, a topic. Um, <laughs> LC8 said Fraser Ryan Lacey. Okay, let's. Let's get rid of cut here. Let's just do start bench. Uh, Frazier, we've already talked about. I would want to see what Emory Jones would look like at right guard. I thought that before this game, so that doesn't really change anything. Sage Ryan, you don't have uh, – I actually like Sage Ryan. He's fine. I just don't think he's a corner, and I also don't think you have other options. Kyron Lacey, if he continues to – like, people think we were making it up that Kyron Lacey, like, caught all – like, he was catching balls in fall camp, catching balls in spring. <laughs> it didn't look spring the same. Game, he went over the top on the first play and made a grab that he turns into a touchdown. Like we saw it, but we've also seen when the lights are on and really bright, he's had some bad drops. Uh, I would, I, I would like to see more of a rotation at receiver and I want to see what Hilton and Shelton Sampson and some other guys can do if they get those three or four chances a game, much like Lacey does. Yeah. You know, Lacey also made a good catch where he also stayed in Almost bounds scored. and got upfield. So yeah. he's not getting benched, but I would like to see a rotation. Yeah. If Makai Garner were back this season, would Sunday night have been different? Um, yeah. I'd think that he would have made a couple plays, but he wouldn't have been able to make them all. Jordan Travis. Have, yeah, they wouldn't have won the game. Dropping dimes and Keon Coleman was going off. And he can't guard Johnny Wilson as well, so. Even if yeah. you blocked somebody out, they would have just thrown it to the other guy, and that would have been a problem. That would have been um, that. Both guys went over 100 yards. That was Christian Case. Um, scroll down. Uh, Mike's scroll too down. Now they're all hating. Uh, there was the Mason Cox Denver Harris question. We talked about that. Uh, West 167. Why is our coaching staff so poor against FSU? Why did the team have no fight? Why was our game plan, especially defensively, so poor? How could something like that be approved? I think all of this comes down to exactly what Brian Kelly said, that they thought they were further along and better yeah. than they actually are. I I don't know. Yeah, the, the, the question insinuates that they're like, all right, well, well, you know, we're just going to roll out there and, and lose when they actually, I thought defensively in the first half, were actually really good for uh, outside of the two drives where Florida State scored. Um, if we remember, they was like three straight drive, four straight drives where they forced a turnover or a punt. Um, so uh, they also went to the red zone on five of six offensive possessions. In the yeah, first half. They, first half they just chased points and came away with nothing twice. Yeah, literally LSU won the first half by more than three points. If you just look at like analytically, like how you know EPA or whatever you want to look at it as, like they won the first half convincingly. The problem is they didn't capitalize, and the problem is they gave up explosive plays. Second half, obviously, it was a different story, but. I, the game plan in the first half was fine. If anything, you want to uh, critique the game plan in the second half and not adjusting. Like, you can uh, critique that way more than I think the initial game plan. All right. uh, Mason Cox going into Grambling. Um, he's basically asking oh, in, in the there, SEC yeah. what freshman could jump into starting roles. Uh, feels like BK needs to just let them go this week to see what we have. I'd agree with that. So, like, get the guys out there this week, see what they look like in a college game. And if we're actually talking starting roles, that's very minimized. Um, it's going to be Zaylance Heard maybe at some point, um, maybe an Ashton Stamps at some point. 
Um, I don't know how many freshmen on this team will ultimately just be like clear cut starters. Like I could see Shelton Sampson starts a game or something, but like yeah. Aaron Anderson, Kyron Lacey didn't even start this week. Start means you played the first snap. It was Aaron Anderson. So like, yeah, yeah, there are guys who could snap and start, but I don't know about full time starters yet beyond herd. Yeah. Um, Tiger Beast 11 asked like four questions. Will Aaron Anderson start in the slot? Technically, he started this past game. Um, I think he'll get more receptions moving forward. But um, that he actually started uh, the online shuffle. Uh, Martinez at center is not something we've talked about, but some people have brought it up. I mean, if Martinez was better than Turner, they would have they would have gone to him. And I'm not saying that facetiously because I understand. I mean, we've been. I mean, coaches get things wrong all the time, week one. But this isn't just a week one thing. They had last year. They had this summer. They had the spring, the fall. And Martinez never once beat out Turner when they were both healthy. And I'll also add something that usually doesn't happen in races like this. Let's say two people are battling for one position. Charles Turner was not there all spring. So Marlon Martinez got every first team rep. So they know exactly what yeah. both are. If they're choosing, and if it look, if it is that close, then we'll see Marlon Martinez. Like, yeah, we will. If just, we don't, they, that means it's not that close. So, yeah, that's just something to keep an eye on. Um, um, Cairo, nineteen eighty nine, asked, uh, "What does LSU have to do to find a run game that doesn't include JD doing it all?" Um, you obviously wow. don't want to take his legs away, but it seems like a run game's been absent for years. It it was it was absent last year. It's right currently absent this year. I don't really know block beyond blocking and executing how they're going to get better. Like it it sounds so fundamental because it is. They're if you're running a play, you have to do the correct things and block and execute for that play to work. Right now, they are so poor at doing that when it comes to running the football, not including Jaden. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I so I, I don't have an answer. I don't know. No, I don't. Because yeah. we didn't see one last year. Yeah. Tiger bread nine. Should Jones move to right guard and heard come in for Frazier struggles? Yeah, we've talked about that a bunch. I would yep. certainly think that's an option there. Uh, going to look at it at some point. You yep. absolutely will if it continues to be an issue for you. Uh, why Nate Bratt, 21, why isn't Welsh getting any PT? I could have missed him, but I don't think he played very much. First off, he did play, and this is – going to be a negative. It wasn't a corner. It was on special teams. On that Aaron Anderson punt, he had just stood there, and he was one of the guys that was playing as a gunner that had come in and, or I guess blocking an outside guy and had come in when Anderson fumbled that punt. He didn't – he just kind of looked, and four Florida State guys just dove on it, and it happened to bounce out to right where he was, and then he jumped down. So I think when you – that's like the step Ryan Kelly's talking about is like, being in the moment, being present, yeah. understanding every rep. And if you're not doing that on special teams, they're not playing you at corner. I also – I don't know. You went to every practice, Matty B. He's not, he's not better than Deuce Chestnut. He never remember. got first team. He was always second team. So, like – Ashton Stamps was ahead of him by the time fall camp ended. So uh, – And it's only year two. Look, you're, he played special yes. teams all last year, and now it's his first game of his uh, second season. So – yeah, Got plenty of time to figure it out. There wasn't an expectation he would be starting, but I also don't think it's an answer they turn to right now for some new starter. Um, Coach K7, what's your take on the play of Savion Jones? Uh, didn't seem as mobile as last year. More like gay, giving up edge containment a few times. Just one for your thoughts. Thanks for, I appreciate the coverage. Thanks, Coach K. Um, uh, we said it briefly, um, but any other thoughts? I guess, Matty B, we thought that he would be more 
of an impact player than we saw across four quarters, but that certainly maybe doesn't mean anything for the long term. Yeah. Um, last year he was so, what's the word I'm looking for? Idolized, I guess. I don't know. Uh, because Ollie, everybody was so mad at Ali Gay and didn't see what he did well. Then it's like, oh, put Savion in, put Savion in. Well, he put Savion in, and he's a, probably a better pass rusher than Ali Gay, but he also has uh, the deficiencies in the run game, which have been cataloged before or have been talked about before. So give, take. Um, ultimately, they're going to need Savion Jones to be much better than he was on Sunday, and I think he can be better. The question is, can he be, you know, great or can he be close to great and i don't know if he can reach that level yet but we'll see i'm with you i uh i was very high on savion coming into the year i had him as a breakout player i'm not he still good stock i want to see how he does yeah, still good uh bourbon and cheerios guys first time long time love the show um here we go let me actually get it short uh if you spin all uh season transitioning perkins to a middle linebacker do you consider blowing that up after one game this is a great question the answer is going to be no and they focused on this all offseason for a reason. I think what we, what Brian Kelly and Matt House, more specifically, the defense coordinator, are going to have to find is striking that balance between using Perkins as an edge rusher type and also playing at middle linebacker, having him be more impactful. You are not going to want to go through every game, Matty B, with a stat line of no tackles for loss, no sacks. That's yeah. an impossible stat line for your best player on defense to have. So, I think that we also have to be mindful of there's been, probably been many conversations with Harold about, I want, you know, I want to be developed into a linebacker. I don't want to be just a gadget player. This is what's best for maybe my future, my NFL. And I know people are going to say, well, he plays at LSU right now. Like why should the coaching staff care about that? Yes. They should be caring about winning. You also don't get to go out there and pimp out all your NFL guys and say, you develop these NFL players if you're not actually developing them when they're yes. here and trying to put them on that path. So your thoughts, but no, no they're not going to blow it up, but it's no. got to find some happy medium until he's further along. Yeah. That was the most jarring thing is the whole off season. They've kind of scoffed. They've kind of laughed at the idea that Harold Perkins isn't going to be attacking. Like they were the whole time. It was like, Oh, well, we're going to be bringing him from different spots. So they're not going to be able to block him in the way that they did last year where they're going to be able to load up well they didn't even use him in a blitzing way they what was it seven pass rushes seven pass rushes to 28 uh coverage snaps like you can the way that they have approached it throughout the offseason was again we're gonna blitz him up the middle we're gonna blitz him off the edge we're gonna blitz him to the left the right all this stuff they blitzed him seven times like, if that number isn't closer to 15-15, I will be shocked against Mississippi State. I will be shocked. And Mississippi State is a very different offense than Florida State. They're going to – they hired the um, the offensive coordinator from uh, Appalachian State who ran more of a zone run scheme. So, I don't even know how many opportunities he's, he's going to have as a pass rusher because they're probably going to need him in the run game. So, um, you know, bright side, I think he's actually not bad inside linebacker despite what, you know, PFF graded and whatnot. But – um yeah they need him to be a pass rusher um at least 50 percent of the time in my opinion oh is uh here's second final question you asked what's the most important thing for the falcons to beat the patriots i would say don't play the lead uh Kyle Pitts. It, sorry is there a first second or third round running back on this roster i would say that if there is it's caleb jackson yes um 
But I think another thing to remember is this is why we equate NFL or recruiting rankings to the NFL draft. That would make you a top 100 player. And then you also factor in that running backs devalued a good bit. If you're not a first rounder, then you're going to be in a split system anyways. So I would say that by definition, I don't think LSU has a top 100 prospect on the team that's in the running back room right now. I Bradford was in the hundreds. Oh, Emory was a five-star. So he would be the only one. And I don't think Emory is going to be in the first three rounds. No. Uh, yeah. Caleb Jackson is the only one potentially. Um, so five for five. Oh God. I got body slammed twice on people's actual usernames. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Shout out five for five. Uh, oh, he just said move Jones inside, start Martinez and heard. What are your thoughts on these statements of fact? Uh, <laughs> Matt- Matty B, you did say, look, maybe Martinez. So that wouldn't surprise me if that was ultimately the starting lineup if they did make, make her a starter. But that would just mean that the Turner-Martinez battle is closer than we think it might be. Yeah. yeah. And also – Because that's the only – if Turner's healthy, they've been riding him. No, they've – 100%. There's no reason to believe they're going to start Martinez over Turner at this point. No reason. Um, um, let's see. We only have uh, – no more. Oh, uh, someone in the VR tiger asked any news on Coach Lindsay. No, we do not have a health update there. We just know he left the hospital and he's been home recovering. And thoughts and prayers, obviously, with him as as he goes through all that. Uh, John Jancic is coaching the D line, and Bob Diaco is coaching the Jack linebackers right now. Uh, but this looks to be the last one, and it goes to Texan Tiger. And it's kind of uh, philosophy stuff. Um, one, Malik Neighbors, how do you get him in space over the middle instead of everything being a low percentage timing route on the sideline? And how do you get Mason Taylor in the middle of the field as a safety net instead of just dragging in across the field on the read option, which, as I noted, that's just a play they really like a lot. Yeah. Um, it would require them to change the style of their past game. It would require them to have Jaden... I think make more reads and like different levels concepts type stuff of like, you know, progress, progress from, you know, different spots on the field. Um, because with Malik on the sideline and kind of having his stuff on comebacks or slants or fades or whatnot, uh, back shoulders goes, it's very much one read for Jaden Daniels. And that makes it easy on him. And I think that that's where they're comfortable. And like I said, against Florida state, they were always going to go back to what they were comfortable doing. And that's one-on-one stuff with Malik Neighbors. And, you know, that's just what they do. That's the passing um, uh, philosophy uh, with uh, Denbrock and Daniels. And then Mason Taylor, same thing. A lot of out routes, drags, uh, you know, flare type stuff coming across. That's just where they want him to get the ball. I mean, that's the same offense as last year. You can ask me why it's the same offense as last year. I it's because it's the same coordinator and the same team. It's the same roster. Uh, anybody, we, we see it across college football, Shay, don't we? It's like everybody expects these grand changes from coordinators. Even when you change coordinators, like if the roster is the same, the roster, uh, there's only so much you can kind of do. We saw it with Clemson, right? You you have Garrett Riley now, Cade Klubnick at quarterback, and you still can't really produce offense. So um, it's hard. It's hard to score. It's hard to create consistent offense in college football. And um, I don't think LSU has a bad offense by any means right now. It's just not championship level. Well, and 
I think people need to remember this too. And I don't think everyone thinks like this, obviously. And you can add little wrinkles and you can show more and you can get deeper into your playbook, the more experienced yeah. you are. But Brian Kelly talked about one of the biggest advantages of this team were not just the players that came back. Look, you've got five back on the starting line. You've got your running backs back. You got your starting quarterback. You got Malik back as a starter. Brian Thomas and them have played plenty. So like you had all these veterans and, but he spoke more about the continuity at offense and defensive coordinator, Matty B. And he said, because of that, like for instance, with Denbrock, the team knows the playbook. Now we're not having to teach them from scratch. They are, can now fine tune things. So like, if you're expecting some wholesale change to the offense, that would negate. That's the point. Yeah. Bringing back a coordinator and having the whole team already know what they're supposed to be doing. They're in the stage where it's just quite surprising. They're not executing on what should be done. And they, and they executed in the first half. Again, they did. They went five of six to the red zone. Like they went to the red zone five times. They just couldn't score, which, which speaks to my point of, you know, not being explosive. It's hard. It's hard to score in the red zone. But they were really good last year. Scored on seventy-two percent of their their red zone uh, possessions uh, were touchdowns. Like they were really good last year. But it's hard to be consistent, and that's why I think that's why I had that Jaden Daniels prop. They're gonna have to run the ball well. They're gonna have to use Daniels' legs and and to score touchdowns in the red zone again because it's um it's not easy. But we'll see if they can do it. And that's it. And we made it to the end. And we and nobody mentioned that uh, Matty B starts 0-1 on his best bet. Uh, his <laughs> over a half a rushing touchdown for Jaden. Oh, so close. One yard away. Oh, so close. Oh, I kept yelling, just run QB power. Just just go. Just go. QB sneak it. Something. Those nope. are the breaks. Um, RPOs. So all right. Matty B, good stuff. Uh, let the people know where to follow us and we'll get out of here. Yeah, um, Bengal Tiger on three on Twitter. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't already. If you've made it this far in the video, um, subscribe it, send it to a friend, do all that stuff. We really appreciate the support. We appreciate all the replies, good or bad. Uh, leave us a like as well. And then if you're listening on the audio side, Spotify, Apple, um, hope this helped you You know, get through to a drive to work, a drive home, all that stuff. Um, leave us a five-star on there. That would really help us as well. So for Shay Dixon, I'm Matthew Bruni. We'll be back with the preview podcast on Friday, and we will talk to you all then.